When Americans think of farming, the food on your plate and the clothes on your back likely comes to mind. But what about the fuel in your car? American crops like corn and sorghum are used to make ethanol, which is blended into gasoline to burn cleaner. More than 98% of the gasoline contains ethanol, and we're excited to highlight how farmers fuel America on this episode. Welcome to Groundwork. I'm your host, Tom Sell. Now, ethanol is an affordable and climate-smart fuel that helps reduce greenhouse gas emissions and carbon dioxide in our atmosphere. Yeah, I said it. All while supporting American farmers here at home. Our guest today is Emily Score, CEO of Growth Energy, the nation's largest ethanol trade association. Emily, thank you so much for joining us. And I just wanted to see if you might start off by telling our listeners what exactly is ethanol um, when you're seeing E10 or E15 labels at the pump, what exactly does that mean? Most people don't know what ethanol is. It's a low carbon fuel and it's made here in the United States. It gives the auto that octane boost that helps with the car performance. So if you go to the pump and we know whatever you're putting in, it says there's a sticker that says contains 10% ethanol. We call that an E10. Increasingly in 31 states across the country, about 2,500 retailers are offering a higher blend of fuel. We call it an E15. That's a 15% ethanol blend. And the reason they're doing this This is like the best value fuel on the market right now. It's higher in octane, so it's better for the car engine. Your your engine's gonna kind of burn cooler. It's it's better in terms of displacing toxic emissions. You got cleaner emissions, greater reduction in greenhouse gas emissions, and it's actually up to 10 cents cheaper. So in this day and time when gas prices are incredibly top of mind, this is like the win-win in terms of fuel choices. And you know, what we wanna see as an industry is more consumers having access to this fuel choice. When I was growing up in the 80s, the big concern everyone was talking about those days was smog, uh, right? And you talked about the toxic emissions, as, and we don't really talk about smog these days. Has, has ethanol contributed to uh, the solution to that problem? Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the reasons that, you know, we we introduced ethanol into the mix because it's a cleaner mm-hmm. oxygen than, than some of the alternatives that were available at, at the time. So one of the big environmental benefits of ethanol is lower greenhouse gas reductions, but it yeah. also reduces carbon monoxide. Um, toxic additives, particulate matter, you know, and many of these things have, you know, they've been linked to cancer, to asthma, to, to health impacts and outcomes. Mm. So, I mean, this really is um, an incredibly important vehicle for us to clean up the emissions in today's cars. You can make a simple change that's going to, you know, change the environment and do something better for our emissions uh, and our planet. And you can do it with a car that you're driving right now, just use a higher blend of ethanol. We can't meet our climate goals without more biofuel, like mm-hmm. plant-based ethanol. We as a nation cannot meet net zero emissions by 2050 without biofuels. So we are a really important tool in the toolbox. Um, standard corn ethanol today is a 46% reduction in greenhouse gas emissions relative to gasoline. That's just kind wow. of a standard ethanol. Yeah. USDA's own data says that that, that greenhouse gas Reduction could be as high as 70% by the end of the year, just with off-the-shelf technologies that are available to to our plants and providers. And we as an industry, you know, we're increasingly focused on continuing to further reduce the carbon intensity of our product. We have a path to net zero emissions as an industry. We need good policy and we need good market dynamics to get there. But, you know, we, we really want to be part of the climate conversation because we're low carbon, we're low cost. And we're something that is available for cars today, can be used with today's infrastructure. And, and this is really important, it's affordable for all communities. And that's really top of mind right now. It really is. I also, you know, top of mind for, for a lot of folks right now, and you mentioned it in your intro, that this is 
uh, domestically produced fuel. Obviously, very sadly, uh, we have the the the, the ongoing situation uh, with Russia's um, uh, waging war on Ukraine. It's creating havoc in uh, the petroleum markets, uh, especially. Um, and and I, I'd love for you to just talk a little about a bit about the importance of diversification and actually not not having all your eggs in one basket and having you know, competing uh, and uh, a diverse uh, fuel supply in the U.S. When it comes to energy independence and energy security, we want to have a domestic supply of energy, and we are a homegrown fuel. That's it's really a, a quite sustainable um, supply chain. And not only are we making ethanol, but our co-products include you know carbon dioxide that we're capturing, very clean carbon dioxide that we capture, high protein animal feed, corn oil that is a feedstock for renewable diesel, another renewable fuel. The more biofuel ethanol that we use in the fuel supply, you're extending the fuel supply. You know, ethanol right now is about 60, 70% cheaper yep. um, than, a, than a gallon of gasoline. And, and that translates in the pump. I mean, anytime you use E15 across the board consistently, you're gonna save up to 10 cents, a, or uh, yeah, about 10 cents a gallon. So yeah. it's a way to extend the fuel supply to support clean energy jobs here in the United States uh, and, and really give, consumers a little bit of alleviation in terms of the prices of the pump right now. There have been, uh, even amazingly, in the face of that, there have been some recent studies, you've already alluded to them, uh, kind of some of the the, the key quality studies we, ha uh, we have on the ethanol side, but there have been some kind of hack job studies. My, my, uh, my description uh, on ethanol's carbon intensity. Could you just discuss a little bit some of these recent studies, some of the, some of the kind of competing messages that are out in the public right now? Yeah, so there was a recent study that that came out of Wisconsin, and it's really frustrating, Tom, because I've been asked a lot of questions about this study the past couple of weeks, and I'm happy to because I want to debunk the misinformation. You bet. So, you know, essentially, you had the same team of researchers. They've been, they've been circulating similar reports um, since 2015. They have an established anti-ethanol bias. It's funded by an organization with an established anti-ethanol bias. So keep that in mind for starters. When you look at kind of what, what they did is, they have kind of a series of wildly overstated and speculative claims mm -hmm. that really at the end of the day are simply untethered from reality. And their, their conclusion um, based on cherry picking information, kind of making pretty outrageous assumptions and kind of a checkered methodology is to say, ethanol is more carbon intensive with gasoline. Nothing mm -hmm. could be further from the, from the truth. Yeah. If you look at the kind of the totality of scientific information, the consensus um, in the scientific community that comes from research and analysis by our national labs, by EPA, by USDA, by California Air, uh, Air Resources Board, and Oregon's Department of Environmental Quality. These are two agencies running low carbon fuel programs. All right. They're looking very closely at this stuff. The overwhelming consensus. Ethanol is less carbon intensive than gasoline. And that advantage continues to grow. Perfectly said. All right. So Emily, many of our listeners uh, have probably heard of the renewable fuel standard, RFS, uh, but might not fully understand um, how exactly the, the mechanics of the RFS will work or really what it, what it does. Can you explain the RFS and maybe just share with our listeners how, um, I'll just say full, fully utilizing this program as intended um, by Congress would, would be key to expanding the use of ethanol going forward? Sure, so the renewable fuel standard, it's a law. Um, initially passed by Congress in 2005, and then again in kind of yep. an updated version in 2007, that essentially says, because we need rural economic development, 
because we want to have energy security, because we want to have affordable fuel, and we want to have clean energy, low carbon, clean energy, we want to make sure that we blend more low carbon renewable fuel into our liquid fuel transportation mix every year. It's that simple. That's the yep. law. That's what Congress intended. Yep. Um, now, it is up to the Environmental Protection Agency to administer the law. And so much of our dialogue with EPA over the years is really trying to hold their feet to the fire to say, hey, you guys have to administer this as Congress intended. It's intended to be market forcing. We've got to blend more biofuel every year. And so it's always a point of contention. Of course, we're, our, our adversary in this conversation is the oil industry who happens yeah. to also be our customer. So that's a very interesting dynamic. <laughs> um, but it comes down to a share of the gas tank. You know, we think you know, this law is about increasing the share of ethanol in the gas tank um, and biofuels in the gas tank. And so you, know, you have adversaries who don't wanna see that happen. So it becomes quite a, a, a policy debate. And over the years, the RFS has been used. I think it's been viewed by multiple administrations through the lens of how do I balance corn oil politics? We need to move beyond that. And this administration in particular has the, opportunity, have, has the opportunity to view the RFS as this is a tool that I can use to advance my climate agenda. And if I make sure that we're blending our maximum target volume, which is 15 billion gallons of ethanol, if we blend that much and we increase every year our advanced biofuels, we're going to be hitting our climate targets. We're going to be boosting the rural economy. It'd be just, just a, a wonderful thing. So um, important law and, you know, our, our fight every year is to make sure that hey, EPA sets some requirements, blending requirements, and don't backpedal. Don't issue exemptions or extensions or waivers. Set a target. Make sure that the entire value chain understands that so we can make good business decisions and let's move forward. One of the great things about the industry is we have incredibly strong bipartisan support, as we should. And um, you look at the innovation taking place in agriculture over the past 10 years in ethanol production, you know, the theme is we're doing more with less across the board. We absolutely have the capacity to feed and fuel the country on the same amount of cropland that we've been using for the past century. So um, really an outstanding story of, of innovation um, and, and our industry is incredibly excited. And you know, that's, it's a horrible situation with Ukraine right now, but a, a big part of our national dialogue is on energy issues and on gas prices on energy security. And so I think biofuels, I know biofuels, we have a critical role to play in that dialogue um, and a constructive role to play. I couldn't agree more. Okay, Emily, one, one final thing. Um, we've talked about energy security. We've talked about environmental benefits, both uh, very important, but, but maybe talk just a little bit about a bit, a little bit about some of the other benefits of having this homegrown uh, domestic source of energy. And maybe, Emily, talk just a little bit about what you've seen in the communities uh, where uh, ethanol plants have been built, these kind of modern uh, uh, refineries and, and the economic impact that they have uh, in, in rural communities and then kind of throughout the nation. I mean, oh my, I mean, one of my favorite things to do in this job is to go visit my plants. And you talk about a small community of 10,000, 20,000, maybe 50,000, 200,000. Um, and this is a skilled workforce. All right. Yeah. So they are very much a, a critical jobs provider that helps make sure in a really small town, you not only have a grocery store and a restaurant, but you've got a hotel, you've got good commerce on Main Street. Yeah. Um, people in the community are also incredibly proud um, that they're a part of the ethanol industry. I mean, we as an industry support over 400,000 jobs. Um, yep. These are rural jobs. And so 
to be able to see and know, and, and for so many people in the industry, you know, our heritage is agriculture. So it's not just a job, it's part of how they support their community and their family and their loved ones. Um, and so it, it really is, it's very impressive and, and pretty awesome. Now, you know, for those who don't live in the small community, for soccer moms and millennials on the coasts, I would say, you know, the benefits of ethanol is it makes clean fuel affordable. So we did a study last year. If we as a nation moved from a 10% blend to a 15% blend, that's something that we could do very easily. 96% of the cars on the road are compatible with E15. All right, so we can, basically you could snap your fingers. We could make this change happen. If we do that, you are creating over 180,000 new jobs. You are saving consumers 12.2 billion in annual fuel costs. And this is for a low carbon fuel. I mean, I don't know how you say no to that. It's an incredible story. Emily, we talk a lot on this podcast about how America's farmers are committed to sustainability. But it's incredible to hear about the real difference that something like ethanol can make in reducing greenhouse gases. This is truly our, our farmers and ethanol producers at work to advance a climate solution while also adding to the economy. Benefits to consumers, benefits to our national economy. Emily, I just gotta say thank you. Thank you for joining us today, sharing more about the importance of ethanol. That's gonna do it for this episode of Groundwork. I'm Tom Sell.